Thank you for listening to the FBH podcast. For more information about our church, feel free to visit www.fbhanford.org. Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome to First Baptist Hanford. My name is Peter Anderson. I'm a senior pastor here, and we're excited that you're following along with us online. We hope you are doing well. Um, and we, are, we really are just continuing to track forward in our series in the book of Galatians. We're going to be in chapter 4 today, and so I'm just really going to going to kind of jump into everything. It's going to be uh, chapter 4, verse 21. And so you can flip there, you can tap there uh, on your Bible app, whatever it is that you need to do uh, to get there. But as you do, I want to give you a warning that this week, uh, it's actually an incredibly difficult passage uh, that, we need to, that we need to trek through. Um, it's a passage that we don't actually have a lot of context for. And so because of that, we're going to need to kind of back up a little bit and I'm going to need to give quite a bit of context as we work through it. But it's kind of like when your grandpa would sit you down and tell you those old stories by the fire as there was a stew going or whatever. And you would pretty much understand the flow of the story, but you would walk away a little bit confused when he said words like, Lally Cooper or Shadiocracy, which are both real words, by the way. You can look them up later. Um, so you were kind of confused, but you could kind of understand where he was going with the story and that sort of thing. That really is what this passage is kind of like uh, today. Um, so, so I'm going to do my best to give you some context as we, as we jump through uh, this allegory that Paul is about to, is about to walk through. And his, his argument here, Paul's argument here, is actually an incredibly Jewish argument. It's very rabbinical in nature, something you would hear a rabbi say. It kind of feels like if, if I were to use a metaphor to describe a truth today and then ask someone, 2,000 years in the future to be able to understand the metaphor that I was using, it would need some context in order to be able to flesh it out better. So, so Paul does his best in this passage to tell the church in Galatia, though, why, he, why they can't be both under the law, like we've talked about, and have freedom in Christ, even though they wanted this idea of kind of a hybrid religion. They wanted freedom in Christ, but they also thought they needed to live under the law because of the Judaizers who came in and told them so. So the key to the whole passage, though, can be found in verse 21. It says this, Tell me, you who want to be under the law, are you not aware of what the law says? This, this verse actually is going to give us the, the peace that we need in order to understand where Paul is going with this entire thing. His point is, really is, have you considered the implications of what you are about to do. Paul's asking the church in Galatia, have you considered these implications of what it is that you want to do? You know, seen from that background, this passage slowly, slowly, slowly kind of comes into focus for us. He's arguing from an Old Testament point of view eh, with people who want to take Jesus with them and go back to an Old Testament way of life. But Paul's going to tell him here, you can't do that. That's not possible for you to be able to do. And in order to illustrate that, he uses a familiar story from the Old Testament. So we're going to jump into that story. It starts in verse 21. We're going to go through 23. It says, tell me, you who want to be under the law, are you not aware of what the law says? For it is written that Abraham had two sons, one by the slave woman and the other by the free woman. His son by the slave woman was born in the ordinary way, 
but his son by the free woman was born as the result of a promise. Okay, so the, the history behind this story, and if you've been around church for a while, you probably are starting to piece some of this together. But the history behind this story is actually found all the way back in the book of Genesis. And it basically goes like this. Abraham, he's a, he's a prosperous pagan businessman from the city of Ur of the Chaldees. Okay, that's, that's where he's from, that's who he is. And then all of a sudden, God appears to him and told him to take his wife, Sarah, leave that land and go to a land that God would later show him. Okay, so all of a sudden, God shows up in this guy's life. He's like, hey, you and your wife, you need to leave this place and go somewhere else. I'll tell you where to go. God also promised Abraham that he was going to have a, that he was going to have a whole bunch of descendants who would become a great nation. Okay, it was a promise he made. We call it the Abrahamic covenant. We talked about it quite a bit uh, a, a few weeks back. That was all well and good. Okay, that's all great. But when you start looking at some of the more specifics of the story, it gets a little bit more hairy, if you will. And so Abraham at this point is 75 years old. Sarah at this point is 65 years old. And they have zero children. But God has promised them descendants. And in the course of time, these two people, they arrive in Canaan. This is the land that God, that God promised them. And 10 years passed. And even in those 10 years, they still had no son to be born. Okay, and so Sarah at this point, her biological clock is ticking along. Um, Abraham is getting impatient. God, you promised me descendants. You haven't given me any descendants yet. We've uprooted our whole lives. We've gone. We've done everything that you've asked us to do, but still you have not given us a son. So because the fact that that biological clock was ticking, Sarah suggests that Abraham marries a woman named Hagar. Okay, Hagar is, is Sarah's Egyptian maidservant. And so after some hesitation, Abraham agreed, and in due course, Hagar became pregnant, and a son named Ishmael was born. So it should be noted, though, here that Sarah's motives, at least on, on one level, were very noble. She concluded that, hey, I'm 75 years old. I'm not exactly a spring chicken anymore. There was no way that she was ever going to be able to have a baby at that point in her life. That's what she had concluded. And that was a perfectly reasonable, perfectly human conclusion. So she and Abraham decided to take matters into their own hands and help God to, to really finish off the promise that God had given them in the first place. You know, we're just, gonna, we're just gonna help God out in this case. Well, when we decide to take matters into our own hands, it tends to get worse, not better. And that's exactly what happens here. Genesis 16 says that, that Sarah and Hagar had constant tension between the two of them. Right? Who could, who could have thought that that would have ever been a thing? That Sarah and Hagar would have tension in between them. That two women sharing one husband would have tension between them. And not only two women sharing one husband, but one woman was able to get pregnant and the other wasn't. Who would have thought that there would have been tension between those two people. That's never going to work out, right? Obviously. So this, this young son, Ishmael, grows up in a very unhappy home situation. So after that, 14 years go by. 14 years passed. Abraham is 99. 
Sarah is 89. Okay? His body, as Scripture says, is essentially as good as dead. <laughs> yeah, his body's as good as dead. Her womb seems shut tight, completely shut tight. There is no chance, no chance whatsoever that they will ever have a child together. But at precisely that point, God announces that Sarah will conceive and bear a son within the year. God revives the body of Abraham and Sarah, and 12 months later, Isaac is born. Okay, I don't know about you, and this has nothing to do with the message, but raising kids as a 35-year-old is exhausting. I cannot imagine being 99 and 100 years old having a newborn baby, but I digress. Let's, let's keep going. So, as Paul puts it here, okay, so let's take a break from the Old Testament. Let's go back to Paul. As Paul puts it, Ishmael was born in the ordinary way, okay? Isaac was born as the result of God's promise. Ishmael is born a slave because his mother was a slave. Isaac is born free because his mother was a free woman. Okay, that much of the biblical story is familiar really uh, to most of us. And it's clear why Paul uses this as an example. Okay, the Jews, the people that Paul was writing to, the Jews revered Abraham as their spiritual father. Okay, if they could find Abraham anywhere in their lineage, they were taken care of. The faith side of things didn't matter. Oh, I'm part of Abraham's family, so because of the fact that I'm part of Abraham's family, I'm good with God. I am one of God's chosen people, as it were. So if you could, in, in your family tree, at some point, trace it all the way back to Father Abraham, you would be good to go. So if you could find Abraham back in there somewhere, you were in God's family. Paul is saying that is not so. That is not true. God's family is made up of those who have a relationship with him by faith in Jesus and, and nothing else. That's it. And this is incredibly important, and not just to, to the, the church in Galatia. Yeah, I think this actually is a truth in our culture currently. Yeah, in America, we have a thing called cultural Christianity, where because we believe that we're American, oftentimes the idea of being American and being a Christian seems to go hand in hand. Right? Our country was founded as a Christian nation. We're taught those things. And so because of that, oftentimes we think, oh yeah, I'm a Christian, I believe in God. Or my parents grew up going to church, and so because of the fact that my parents went to church, yeah, I'm a Christian, I believe in God. Or I'm Catholic, so I must be okay. Or I was baptized Presbyterian, so now I know I'm going to heaven. Or my dad was a Baptist pastor, and so because of that, he's going he's gonna to put me in good with God. Whatever it may be, that isn't true. It isn't about your lineage. It's about your faith. It is not about your lineage. It's about your faith. You don't go to heaven because you get credit for what your mom and your dad believed. That may help you on earth. That does not help you in eternity. And the problem in Galatia was this. Okay, the Judaizers taught that you either had to be a Jew or you had to act like a Jew in order to be saved. That meant being circumcised and keeping the outward trappings of the law of Moses. Okay? The Judaizers said, who's your father? Who's your dad? Where is Abraham? Where's Abraham in your family tree? If you can find Abraham, you're a child of God. That's what the Judaizers would teach. And Paul said, I've got another question for you. Who's your mom? 
And that brings us back to the story of Abraham and Sarah and Hagar and Isaac and Ishmael. See, the tricky part here is that both times Abraham and Sarah believed God. They believed what God said. When, when, when Abraham took Hagar as his wife, Abraham and Sarah believed what God had said, but they also thought God needed a little bit of help. So like, yeah, 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 God, I trust you. I trust that Abraham is going to have a descendant, but maybe you need a little bit of help. Here's Hagar to, to make sure that, that, that this whole thing happens. The second time, though, he and Sarah believed God alone and had Isaac as a result. See, the difference is this. Will you believe God alone or do you think you need to do something to help God out? That's what Paul is saying in this entire book of Galatians. Look, do you trust God alone? Will you put your faith in Christ alone? Or do you think that you need to help God out by, one, trusting Jesus, and two, being good while you're on earth? That's what Paul is talking about so, here. So here are the facts of the story that, that put more into simple terms, okay? There's one father and two mothers. We have Abraham, we have Hagar, and we have Sarah, okay? They have two sons. One son born the ordinary way, Ishmael. One son born by God's intervention, Isaac. One son born by spiritual compromise, Ishmael. One son born according to God's promise, Isaac. The whole family, this whole family is like a big dysfunctional soap opera. Okay? Because, because self-effort and faith in God cannot live in harmony. You can't have both of those things. We have to choose one. So what does Paul do with all of this? Good question. Verse 24. These things are being taken figuratively. The women represent two covenants. One covenant is from Mount Sinai and bears children who are to be slaves. This is Hagar. Okay? Mount Sinai is the place where Moses got the law in the first place. Okay, so remember Moses goes up to Mount Sinai, him and, him and God hang out for a little bit. He gets the Ten Commandments. He brings them back down. So Paul is making, making uh, Mount Sinai and the law connect with Hagar. Now Hagar stands for Mount Sinai in Arabia and corresponds to the present city of Jerusalem because she is in slavery with her children. But the Jerusalem that is above is free and she is our mother. Verse 27, for it is written, be glad, barren woman. You who never bore a child, shout for joy and cry aloud. You who were never in labor, because more are the children in the desolate woman than of her who has a husband. The easiest way is to, start all, to sort all of this out is to start where Paul starts. Okay, with two women and two sons, all of them literal people who actually lived on earth and whose stories are told back in the book of Genesis. So all of these people are real people. What happens next is that Paul looks back at these historical people and draws certain conclusions from them. In essence, he sees a huge difference between Sarah and between Hagar. Okay, Sarah represents grace, freedom. Hagar represents law. Okay, Sarah stands for trusting God alone, and Hagar stands for trying to please God through our own efforts. And the sons born to them represent what comes from those two things. So what comes from grace? Faith. 
So Isaac represents faith, the faith that he gets from having the grace of God poured out on him. Faith. Versus the way of works, which is Ishmael. Ishmael came from the law. So in order to be under the law, you have to do good. You have to please God. It has to come from your own efforts. That's where Ishmael comes from. So you have real people who nevertheless stand for, or at the very least, kind of point to or to represent certain spiritual truths in the, in the life of the Galatian church. So when you boil it down, Paul is saying that Sarah is the line of faith and Hagar is the line of works. And all humanity, and this is what Paul is getting to back in 21, verse 21, when he says you really understand what you're getting self into, all of humanity has to fall under one of these two truths. It's in one line or the other. Either you have faith or you have works. And Paul is arguing that the works line is dead. You cannot get to God by being good enough. The only line that we can fall under is the line of faith. There's no third line that you can choose. As much as we try to make a a hybrid religion oftentimes of, yes, I believe in God, but I should probably do all of this really nice stuff. I should probably do all of these extra things just to make sure, just in case God needs a little bit of help this time. I should probably do those extra things. But there is no third line. And those who, who follow Hagar are the people who believe that religion and good works and self-effort will be enough to gain, to, uh, to gain forgiveness and salvation and a place in heaven. And we know, theologically speaking, that is not true. And then the, the way this ends in verses 26 and 27, it's actually a quote from Isaiah chapter 54, verse 1. And they point to a coming day when the barren woman, Sarah, will rejoice because she has far more children than the woman with a husband, Hagar. So in other words, the law cannot produce life, but grace produces life to the full. The woman with the husband, Hagar, that's the law trying to produce life. It's not possible. And Paul is saying, hey, but look. Look at that barren woman, that woman who stands for grace, that woman who stands for faith, the woman who's going to rest on God's promises. Okay? God's promises produces life to the full. Hagar and Ishmael stand for all of those who want to help God out by doing good works to earn salvation. Sarah and Isaac, on the other hand, stand for all of those who believe God's promises and are saved by faith alone. Jesus plus nothing, right? Note that Abraham stands at the, both, at the head of both of these lines, though. And this is what Paul is arguing. Okay, Paul is arguing, hey, look, Abraham, he stands at the head of both of these lines, but these lines go in two, two very different directions. That's why it's not enough to be Abraham's son. It doesn't matter if, if he is in your family tree somewhere. It doesn't matter if he's in your lineage somewhere. Just because he is at the top of that, of, of that intersection right there does not matter. It does not matter who your dad is. It matters who your mother is. So the question is not, who's your father? The real question is, is who is your mother? That's the question that Paul is asking them. So let's keep going. Galatians 4, 28 to 31. Now you, brothers and sisters, like Isaac, freedom, faith, grace, 
You brothers and sisters, like Isaac, are children of promise. At that time, the son, born according to the flesh, persecuted the son, born by the power of the spirit. Okay, this talks about the fact that Ishmael used to pick on Isaac all the time. It's the same now. But what does scripture say? Get rid of the slave woman and her son. For the slave woman's son will never share in the inheritance with the free woman's son. Therefore, brothers and sisters, we are not children of the slave woman, but of the free woman. Okay, in the last few verses of our text today, Paul draws a, uh, he draws a couple applications. I think there's a few that we, we ultimately we need to land on. Okay, the first one we need to land on really is the recognition that, that we need to figure out who our spiritual mother is. Okay, are we going to be Isaac or are we going to be Ishmael? Are we going to say that, no, God needs some help? Or are we going to recognize the truth of Scripture that says, no, God doesn't need any help? He sent his son Jesus, as a matter of fact, to help us get to him because he recognized there was no other way for us to get to him in eternity. So he sent his son on our behalf. So that's the first one. We've been talking about that for the last 14, 15 weeks of this idea of Jesus plus nothing. All we need is faith and specifically faith in Christ in order to go to heaven. Jesus plus nothing, okay? But the, the application that really I want to focus on today is this little piece. Can you go back one slide? Let's go back one slide real quick. This application right here. But what does scripture say? Get rid of the slave woman and her son. For the slave woman's son will never share in the inheritance with the free woman's son. Okay, I want to focus on that for just, for, for just a second. Because what this is saying, back all the way back in Genesis, is at one point, Sarah and Abraham decided the right decision was to kick Hagar and Ishmael out of their community. Said, you guys have to go. Remember we talked about the fact that Sarah and Hagar, they had a whole lot of tension between them and that sort of thing. Okay, that tension only got worse. Okay, between Ishmael, between Isaac, between Sarah, between Hagar, like it just kept getting worse. And so eventually like this isn't working. Hagar, Ishmael, go. And so they kicked them out. This is what we need to pull from that. Christians, we cannot compromise on truth. Okay, it was Sarah who told Abraham to throw Hagar and Ishmael out of the house. Okay, and so on one level, it seems cruel it seems a little bit unfair, right? Sarah is the one who told Hagar to get married to Abraham in the first place. She's the whole reason they had a son. And now Sarah is saying, no, nah, you know what? You guys need to leave. So it seems unfair on a surface level. But on a deeper level, level Sarah knew what she was doing. The promise of God had to be preserved at all costs. The promise of God had to be preserved at all costs. If Hagar and Ishmael stayed in the family... There would have been unending strife. There would have been confusion over the, the Abrahamic line that was God's chosen people. They wouldn't have known which line are we talking about? Are we talking about Isaac right now? Or are we talking about Ishmael right now? Like which wife are we talking about here? There would have been complete and total confusion and strife. Someone had to leave. If you let, if you let Ishmael live with Isaac, there will be nothing but trouble. And that's what Paul is telling them here. Look, if you, let, if you let living according to the law live with living according to j just belief in Christ, there's going to be nothing but strife. And we're not going to understand what the truth actually is. 
What, what truth are we standing on right now? And so they recognized that, hey, in this instance, Sarah and Abraham recognized that this was not God's promise. God's promise was not to give him a descendant through Hagar. God's promise was to give Abraham a descendant through Sarah. And so they recognized there was poor teaching there. There was poor belief there. And so we had to get rid of it. So in the church, we cannot compromise on what the truth of God is. We cannot compromise on his promises. There can be zero compromise in the core doctrines of our faith. Core doctrines such as the Bible being the inerrant word of God. Such as Jesus being the son of God. Things like the Trinity, salvation by grace through faith, right? Salvation only through Christ, universal sinfulness, the sanctity of all humans' life, God's design for marriage as one man and one woman, moral purity in all things, the literal resurrection of Christ, the blood atonement of Christ, the miracles of Christ, the virgin birth of Christ, and the second coming of Christ, right? We have to stand on these truths, even if it costs us popularity and personal advancement. We have to be willing to stand on those truths. So the truth of the Bible never changes. God's promises never change. Even when, when Sarah and Abraham decided they needed to help God, his promise still came to fruition. It still did not change. So God's truths don't change. They cannot be sacrificed and they cannot be compromised. All of those things I mentioned, we will not compromise on those things because they are the truth of Scripture in the same way that the truth of God's promise is what we have to stand on and solely stand on at that. That's all it is that we can stand on. So let me wrap this up with a very simple, very simple question. Who is your mother? Is your mother Hagar? Or is your mother Sarah? Are you born of the flesh only or are you also born of the spirit? Are you also born supernaturally? Do you still think there is some way you can help God out by the things that you do? If you think you can somehow be good enough to merit salvation or you think that, that salvation is partly what God does and partly what you do, you're a child of slavery. You're still in chains at that point. The Ishmaels of this world trust in themselves. The Isaacs of this world trust in God alone for salvation. So again, the question is, who is your mother? There are two streams of humanity, and there's only two. There's only two. Despite all the superficial differences of, of skin color, of culture, of language, of place of birth, and so on, in God's eyes, the entire human race is divided into two groups, the Ishmaels and the Isaacs, the children of Hagar and the children of Sarah. Everyone in the entire world is descended spiritually from one of those two women. That's what Paul is communicating to the Galatians here. You're either a slave to works or you've been set free by God's grace. Who is your mother? Make sure you understand the answer to that question. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we, uh, we thank you for today. And I thank you for, God, the Old Testament and being able to, to stand on, to, to just watch Paul, even as a, a rabbi, 
cool Old Testament context and a New Testament understanding, which we can now, even 2,000 years later, be able to pull into an understanding of things that we need to hold true in our lives, which is, of course, your word, your promises. And God, we recognize that one of your promises, your greatest promise to us, is that in order to be saved, all we need to do is what Romans 10, 9 tells us, believe in our heart and confess with our lips that Jesus Christ is Lord and you raised him from the dead and we will be saved. So God, we thank you for that promise. We stand on that promise. And, and for those who are listening and, and maybe they, they haven't said yes to that promise, maybe they're still uh, descendants of Hagar, siblings of Ishmael, that maybe we're trying to do our best to have good works, to earn our way into heaven. And they're just tired of, of trying to earn their way, saying, yes, I'm good enough, I'm good enough. God, I pray right now that they'd be willing to become Isaacs. They'd be willing to come to have a saving faith in you. And if that's the case, I would just ask that you pray along with me with heads still bowed and eyes still closed. Pray the ABCs. You say, Father, I admit that I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. That I, I try to be good, but I recognize that there's no way because I sin every single day. I have fallen short of your glory. And there's no way for me to get to you apart from your son, which is great because I believe, I, be, I believe that you sent your son to die on the cross for me. And he died on the cross for my sins. He was raised from the dead. He conquered death. And because of that, I get to be with you forever. But in the meantime, before I am in heaven with you, let's see, I would choose to follow you every single day. That I would choose, choose to stand on those promises. That I would choose to stand on your word, choose to stand on the truths that you have given us. Father, we love you. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen.